So the, the scripture reading this morning is Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 10. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good uh, one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as uh, he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion, who the living know that uh, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. For their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go and eat with joy, and drink your wine with merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let the garments, let your garments be always white, let not oil be lacking from your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life, and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. This is the word of the Lord. I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you are a guest with us this morning, welcome. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld. Does this sound okay? Sound okay? I can hear myself in this ear. Welcome. We'll start that over again. Uh, it's good to have you here. If you are a guest, we have been going through the series, uh, a sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And so this morning we are in chapter 9. Now, if you have been with us for much of this series, you may be thinking at this point, either the writer of Hebrews, I mean Ecclesiastes, is either super forgetful or he likes to talk about the same stuff, right? So as I was preparing for this time, I found myself thinking, man, I have heard this before, haven't I? And the answer is absolutely yes. We hear this, these themes over and over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes, but not because the writer is forgetful. The reason why these kind of same themes happen over and over and over again in this book is because we are forgetful people. And God does not want us to forget the realities that are laid out for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. We need to be reminded again and again and again what is true about our lives in this world because truth matters. Why does it matter? Truth produces hope. But the reality is there are many in our culture that are telling us that, that there is no ultimate truth. And this leaves us chasing after the wind with no direction and no hope in our lives. But the promise is this. There is hope for us this morning. We have hope because there is one voice that speaks the truth, and that's God's voice. 
His word speaks the truth and it helps us make sense of the realities that we all face in this world. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can all raise our hands and say, man, we long for hope, right? You, you long for some hope this morning? We've come to the right place. Because as we hear the word of God, we can bank our lives on it. We can trust in it. We can be assured and confident that when we hear the word of God spoken and preached and we read it and we hear it, man, we can receive it. We can be confident in it and we can find hope and joy in his word. We need someone to tell us the truth. For we long for truth. We need truth. We are in desperate need of it because we are all need of hope. So let's pray and let's ask God to give us ears to hear his word and let's ask him to give us hearts to be able to receive the truth of his word. You with me? Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you this morning and we ask that you would give us ears to hear that you would help us to receive the truth of your word, that we would submit ourselves under the authority of it, even though we do not like to submit ourselves to authority. But you are the ultimate authority. And your word is powerful, and your word is true, and whatever you say you will do, you will do. So let us, help us, Holy Spirit, receive it, trust it, bank our lives on the promises that you make to us in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As we heard the verses of our passage read this morning, we have to appreciate the blunt and raw honesty Now, we may not like what we hear, but we have to appreciate the truth that is being laid out for us in this passage because it paints for us a picture, this graphic picture of the reality of our lives that we live in this world. Look again at verse 2. It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. The event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. The madness is in their hearts while they live, and after they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. Why? For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Do you see the picture that the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to paint this picture of our reality. And the reality is this. No matter who you are and no matter what you have done, we all are destined for the same event. 
And what is that event? What is it that we all will experience one day? That event is death. Death is coming to us all. Look around the room. We all are truly uniquely different. Some of us are younger, some of us are older. Some of us have more hair than others, than we hope to have some hair. I'd love to have a man bun like my boy over here. We all have different hopes. We all have different dreams. We're, some of us are more liberal. Some of us are more conservative. We all have a different story that makes us who we are, but every one of our stories are different. We all have different mistakes. We all have different regrets. We all have different shames we carry. Some of us grew up in religious homes and some of us have no religious background. Some of us have followed Jesus for many, many years and others of us have never followed him. So as we look around the room, the reality is, man, we are all different. But no matter how different we are, there is one thing that we have in common, one thing that unites us all together. And that is, unfortunately, that we all will experience the same fate. We will all die. No one can escape death. It's coming for us all. And as we hear the unjust reality of these verses, that death comes for the old, but it comes for the young. Lives are cut way too short. It comes for the religious, and it comes for the non-religious. It comes for the sick, and it also comes for the healthy. It comes for the poor, but it also comes for the, the, the rich, because the reality is death has no favorites. Death does not discriminate based on morality or based on age. It's coming closer and closer and closer and closer to each and every one of us. And we don't know when the day we will taste it. This is the blunt and raw honesty the writer of Ecclesiastes is giving to us. He's saying the same evil event happens to all. Are you uncomfortable yet? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't necessarily like to talk about the reality of death. But no matter how difficult it is for us to talk about it, we have to appreciate the truth because it's our reality and we know it to be true, right? I mean, everything I just laid out in the reality of death, that it comes for the young, young and the old, it, it's, not, it's not based on anything. It, no one can escape it. We know that to be true but we're so uncomfortable talking about it, aren't we? In fact, we try to forget about it. We try to ignore it. We try our best to keep it away from us as long as we possibly can, and rightly so, right? Because death is horrific. The writer says it's evil. It's painful. It robs us of what's most precious to us, and that is presence, it robs us of relationship, and if we're honest, many of us are afraid and terrified of death. It looms over us, and we just keep on thinking about it, and we're afraid of it. Listen, I don't fear cancer. I fear that it will bring death. I don't fear heights. I fear falling to my death. 
And honestly, what I fear the most is that death does not discriminate based on age. And if you're a parent, you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a reason why we need to talk about death this morning. And there's a reason why death is repeated over and over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the reason is this. Listen very carefully. We will not be able to truly live today and enjoy the life that God has given to us today and enjoy the gifts that God has given to us today unless we deal with the reality of death. We will see in a moment, as we heard the verses read, we're given a command in verse 7 to go and enjoy the life that God has given to us and enjoy the gifts that God has given to us. But how can we truly live and enjoy those things when we have this fear that death is coming for us? And we don't know when it is, but it's looming. Some of us, we don't really recognize it at times, but there's this deep-seated anxiety and fear that comes as a result of death. So we must talk about it. We must address it. We must understand why we die, and most importantly, we have to ask this question, is there any hope for us after death? Is there any way for us to live after we die? I hope so. So in order for us to be able to answer these questions, guys, we got to go way, 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 way back to a time that is really hard for us to comprehend because we cannot see it, we cannot touch it, we have no record of it other than what's recorded for us in the Word of God. So we've got to bank our lives that this is true. We've got to go all the way back to understand death to the beginning of creation where God says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So imagine before anything was created, there was the creator God. He's always existed. How you explain that? I'm not getting into that. But there was God, and he spoke. And with one word, one powerful word, the heavens and the earth, they came into being. And with another word, he spoke, and the sun and the moon were brought into existence, and light, we're told, was shone, shined in the darkness. With another word, animals and birds and food were brought to life. And with one special word, we're told in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, have babies, fill the earth. This was how it was in the beginning. God was there. He created life, and it was beautiful, and it was good, and it was the way God intended it to be, but something terrible happened, something that went wrong, that changed everything. 
You see, the same word that spoke human beings into existence was the same voice, the same word that told them how to live in his created world. Most of us know that the first two human beings that were created were Adam and Eve, and for Adam's own good, God gave him this command and said to him, you can eat anything that I've created for you. I've created all of this for you to enjoy and for you to feast on, but there is one tree that produces fruit that you are not to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of that tree, this is what's going to happen. You shall surely die. God warned Adam, didn't he? And God told Adam exactly what to do and not do for his flourishing and for his good. He told him how to rightly live in his created world. But what did Adam do? Both he and Eve listened to their own voice and the voice of the enemy of God, and they rejected the voice of their creator. They rebelled against the one who gave them life, the creator, the one whose whose word and authority is over everything. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it was devastating. It cost them deeply. What did it cost them? It cost them their life. How did death come into this world? Their rebellion and their disobedience to God brought condemnation and death into this world. God said, do not eat. Adam said, I'm going to do it my way. And he got what he deserved, which is death. And that is why we all die. Death was brought into the world because of disobedience and sin to the authority and the word of God. Disobeying his commands leads to condemnation and death, doesn't it? That's what he said, and rightly so, because we're disobeying and rebelling against the creator, the one who has a power authority of all things, and the one who created us to know him and follow him and obey his word. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It lays it out clearly and perfectly for us. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through who? One man, being Adam. And so death came into the world through sin, through Adam's sin, through his disobedience. And so death spread to all men because all sin. This is telling us how death came into the world, how it becomes our reality. Through one man's disobedience, death became his reality and our reality. So what this means is, listen very carefully, is death is not something that just happens to us for no reason. It happens to us because just like Adam, we all have sinned. Reality is I'm united to Adam, and I'm just like Adam. And the truth is I caused my own death, and the reality and the truth is so do you. Because we have all disobeyed God's commands over our lives. And just like Adam, what I rightly deserve as a result of that, the consequence of that is condemnation and death. I don't deserve anything good in this life. The only thing I rightly deserve as a result of my disobedience to God's commands is condemnation and death. And I see why death is so horrible 
in evil and horrific and painful because it is the result of my willing rebellion against a good, gracious, loving, kind God. And I've chosen to go my own way. And this way leads to death. This is my story, and it's your story. We're all destined to die. Now, this is where the story should end. It would be right and just to be left to this devastating fate. But God. Those two words. But God in his kindness has done something for us that we do not deserve, has done something for us that none of us can do for ourselves. He chose. He chose to come to us. He chose to come into the broken mess that we have got ourselves into. He came to redo or undo the curse of Adam and the curse that we find ourselves in. He came to rescue us from death. How did he do that? Jesus Christ lived the life that we all should have lived, but we haven't. We cannot. And that is a life of perfect obedience to God's command and his authority. When we see Jesus, he is the only human being that has ever lived who has fully trusted God's word and has fully obeyed God's word. He is the only one. And upon the cross, we're told that Jesus became our sin and he was condemned to death in our place. Jesus Christ suffered the death that we all rightly deserve because of our disobedience. And he was raised to life. He conquered death. Jesus lived the perfect life. He obeyed all the Father's commands. We have not. Adam should have obeyed the Father's commands. He did not, which leads to condemnation and death. Jesus, obedience, justification, life. You see that? Romans chapter 5, verse 15 lays it out. But the free gift... All right, the free gift that Jesus gives is not like the trespass of Adam. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. What's the result of the one man's sin? Judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many uh, trespasses brought what? Justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, what will happen? Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Guys, this is the greatest news in all the world. You could do better than that. This is the greatest news in the whole world, amen? That God offers to us 
the hope and the gift of life after death, all because of the one man, Jesus Christ. He promises it to us. By nature, we are united to Adam. We have his disobedience, which leads to death. But by faith, listen very carefully, by faith, God offers us to be united to his son. And if you are united to his son by faith, what do you have? You have his obedience, his righteousness, his death, his life. Result, life. It's a gift. We can't earn it. There's nothing that we can do in order to conquer death, to get rid of it, to be free from the reign of death, and to have life after death. The only way is to receive the person of Jesus, be united to him, and in him, you've obeyed all the Father's commands. You've obeyed it perfectly. It's a simple equation. Disobedience, condemnation, death. Obedience, justification, life. We don't have obedience. How do we get obedience? Jesus. Being united to him. If you're united to him, the Father sees you in light of him, and you have obeyed his commands, which leads to justification and life. Good news? It's great news. It is absolutely great news. You believe this? You believe this to be true? Do you believe this to be your only hope? Have you received Jesus by faith? Are you united to him? Then listen, you have the promise of life after death. You have that promise. You know what's coming for you. Yes, death is coming for you, but you have the promise that God will raise you from the dead just like he did his son, Jesus Christ. That is yours if you are in him. Life with God is waiting for you. He is waiting, and he's ready to receive you as a result of being united to his son to say to you, when death comes your way and you come face to face with God, he's ready to say to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I deeply love. I've been waiting for you. All of that is mine is yours. Go and enjoy, feast on me and my kingdom forever and ever. Amen. That's the promise that we have. That's what's waiting for us. We know that death is coming. We do not know when it's coming, but it is our reality. And if you are in Christ, the reality is you will have life with God in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. Amen. Okay. Now that we have our future, we dealt with it, right? Then we work backwards. How are we then to live today? Verse 7. The command, go. Go and eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already proved of what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy the life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that is given you under the sun because that is your portion of life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. 
It's super interesting how there are elements of like a wedding feast in this thing, right? We see food, we see wine, we see nice garments, we see wife. It's meant to be this picture of what's coming. That when Jesus comes and he restores all things back to himself, there will be this wedding feast where the bride of Christ, you and me, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna party. We're gonna celebrate that because of Jesus, he makes all things new, restoring all things, and he's given us the hope of eternal life. We get to celebrate. So in light of that, we come today, and as you go and you eat lunch and you have food and drink, what are you gonna do? You're gonna celebrate, right? Because you know what's coming now. As you, as you eat the food, you're going to be grateful and thankful and enjoy it because it represents the body of Christ, which is broken for you. And as you drink, let it be a reminder of the blood that was shed for you to point you to this day and this reality. Yes, death is coming, but man, we've got some hope, don't we? So the command is to go today because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We do not know when death will come knocking on our doorstep. So Go and live today. Why? You don't have to worry about tomorrow. We can go and we celebrate today because we have this hope of what is coming. We go and we love today. We love our spouses. Why? Because we know that we're not promised tomorrow. It's not like, you know what, I'll get to that. I'll write that that love note to my, to my wife that I, I know that she desires and I know I want to write, but I don't because I think about, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Man, we love today. We love today. We seek relationship today because we do not know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. And we go today as we leave this place, we go in freedom and joy. Why? Because we know what's waiting for us. And what is waiting for us? Life. Life is waiting for us then, which enables us to live today, all because of the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen? We okay? We good? You have any hope? I don't see it on your faces. There is great hope, great rest, great freedom. At times, it doesn't make death any easier but we know what's coming. We know the reality of why we face it. And we know the reality of now that Jesus promises life after that. It's hard, but it's necessary. It's uncomfortable, but it's good that we talk about it because it's our reality and we find truth in God's word. He promises life and that gives us hope for today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you recognizing the reality of, of death and the evil that it is, the pain that it brings. Jesus, you know what that's like because you have been in our shoes and you've been around those you love who've experienced the pain 
the suffering of death. It caused you to weep. And it causes us to weep. Because it is horrific and it robs us of that which is most precious to us and that is life. And we know from your word that we taste it because of our actions. And that's hard for us to believe and receive, but it's the truth because you have told us. And you've also told us that death is coming. But Father, we are so grateful and thankful that you have promised the gift of life, which we do not deserve. That you loved us from the beginning. You've always loved us. And you've demonstrated that love by sending your son to rescue us, to reverse the curse of death, and to give us the hope of eternal life with you. In light of that news, in light of that reality, help us to live today. Help us to enjoy the life that you have given us today, the, the gifts that you have given us today, that we may not put them in higher regards to you, but we'll see them in light of who you are and what you've done. And that you would give us freedom and joy knowing that yes, we will taste death one day. But we know what's coming after that. All because of your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.